Book Three, Canto Seven, The Legend of Britomartis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please go to LibriVox.org. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer, Book Three, The Legend of Britomartis, or of Chastity, Canto Seven. The witch's son loves Florimel. She flies, he feigns to die. Saturnine saves the squire of dames from giant's tyranny. Like as an hind forth singled from the herd that hath escaped from a ravenous beast, yet flies away of her own feet afeard, and every leaf that shaketh with the least murmur of wind her terror hath increased. So fled fair Florimel from her vain fear, long after she from peril was released. Each shade she saw, and each noise she did hear, did seem to be the same, which she escaped while ear. All that same evening she in flying spent, and all that night her course continued. Nay did she let dull sleep once to relent, nor weariness to slack her haste, but fled ever alike, as if her former dread were hard behind, her ready to arrest, and her, white palfrey having conquered the maestering reins out of her weary rest, perforce her carried, wherever he thought best. So long as breath and able puissance did native courage unto him supply, his pace he freshly forward did advance, and carried her beyond all jeopardy, but a knot that wanteth rest can long abide. He, having through incessant travel spent his force, at last perforce adown did lie, nay foot could further move. The lady gent thereat was sudden struck with great astonishment. And forced to light on footmote Algate's fair, a traveller unwanted to such way, need teacheth her this lesson hard and rare, that fortune all in equal lance doth sway and mortal miseries doth make her play. So long she travelled, till at length she came to an hillside, which did to her bewray a little valley, subject to the same, all covered with thick woods, that quite it overcame. Through the tops of the high trees she did descry a little smoke, whose vapour thin and light, reeking aloft, uprolled to the sky, which cheerful sign did send unto her sight, that in the same did one some living white. Eftsoons her steps she thereunto applied, and came at last in weary wretched plight, unto the place to which her hope did guide, to find some refuge there and rest her weary side. There in a gloomy hollow glen she found a little cottage, built of sticks and reeds, and homely wise, and walled with sods around, in which a witch did dwell in loathly weeds, and wilful want all careless of her needs. So choosing solitary to abide, far from all neighbours, that her devilish deeds and hellish arts from people she might hide, and hurt far off unknown whomever she invide. The damsel there arriving entered in, where sitting on the floor the hag she found, Busy as seemed about some wicked gin, who soon as she beheld that sudden stound, 
lightly upstarted from the dusty ground, and with fell look and hollow deadly gaze, stared on her a while as one astound. Nay had one word to speak for great amaze, but shewed by outward signs that dread her since did daze. At last, turning her fear to foolish wrath, she asked what a devil had her thither brought, and who she was, and what unwanted path had guided her unwelcomed, unsought, to which the damsel, full of doubtful thought, her mildly answered, Beldame, be not wroth with silly virgin by adventure brought unto your dwelling, ignorant and loath, that crave but room to rest, while tempest overbloweth. With that adown out of her crystal eyne, few trickling tears she softly forth let fall, that like two orient pearls did purely shine upon her snowy cheek. And therewithal she sighed soft, that none so bestial, nor salvage heart, but ruth of her sad plight would make to melt, or piteously appall. And that vile hag, all were her whole delight in mischief, was much moved at so piteous sight. And again recomfort her in her rude wise, with womanish compassion of her plaint, wiping the tears from her suffused eyes, and bidding her sit down to rest her faint and weary limbs awhile. She, nothing quaint nor disdainful of so homely fashion, sith brought she was now to so hard constraint, sate down upon the dusty ground anon, as glad of that small rest is bird of tempest gone. Though gan she gather up her garments rent, And her loose locks to dight in order due, With golden wreath and gorgeous ornament, Whom such when as the wicked hag did view, She was astonished at her heavenly hue, And doubted her to deem an earthly white, But or some goddess, or of Diane's crew, And thought her to adore with humble sprite, to door things so divine as beauty were but right. This wicked woman had a wicked son, the comfort of her age and weary days, a lazy lord, for nothing good to done, but stretched forth in idleness all ways, nay ever cast his mind to covet praise, or ply himself to any honest trade, but all the day before the sunny rays he used to slug or sleep in slothful shade, such laziness both lewd and poor at once him made. He, coming home at undertime, there found the fairest creature that he ever saw, sitting beside his mother on the ground, the sight whereof did greatly him adaw, and his base thought with terror and with awe, so inly smart that as one which had gazed on the bright sun unwares, doth soon withdraw his feeble eyne, with too much brightness dazed. So stared he on her, and stood long while amazed. Softly at last he gan his mother ask what Mr. White that was, and whence derived, that in so strange disguisement there did mask, and by what accident she there arrived. But she, as one nigh of her wits deprived, with naught but ghastly looks him answered, like to a ghost that lately is revived from Stygian shores where late it wandered. So both at her and each at other wondered. 
But the fair virgin was so meek and mild that she to them vouchsafed to embase her goodly port, and to their senses viled her gentle speech applied, that in short space she grew familiar in that desert place, during which time the churl, through her so kind and courteous use, conceived affection base, and cast to love her in his brutish mind, no love but brutish lust that was so beastly tined. Closely the wicked flame his bowels brent, and shortly grew into outrageous fire. Yet had he not the heart, nor hardiment, as unto her to utter his desire. His caitive thought durst not so high aspire, but with soft sighs and lovely semblances he weaned that his affection entire she should a-read. Many resemblances to her he made, and many kind remembrances. Oft from the forest wildings he did bring, whose sides empurpled were with smiling red, and oft young birds, which he had taught to sing his mistress' praises, sweetly caroled, girlands of flowers sometimes for her fair head, he fine would dight, sometimes the squirrel wild, he brought to her in bands, as conquered to be her thrall, his fellow-servant viled, all which she of him took with countenance meek and mild. But past a while, when she fit season saw, to leave that desert mansion, she cast in secret wise herself thence to withdraw, for fear of mischief, which she did forecast, might by the witch or by her son compassed. Her weary palfrey closely, as she might, now well recovered after long repast, in his proud furnitures she freshly dight, his late miswandered ways now to remeasure right. And early ere the dawning day appeared, she forth issued, and on her journey went. She went in peril, of each noise afeard, and of each shade, that did itself present, for still she feared to be overhint of that vile hag, or her uncivil son, who, when too late awaking, well they kent that their fair guest was gone. They both begun to make exceeding moan, as they had been undone. But that lewd lover did the most lament for her depart, that ever man did hear. He knocked his breast with desperate intent, and scratched his face, and with his teeth did tear his rugged flesh, and rent his ragged hair. That his sad mother, seeing his sore plight, was greatly woe-begone, and gan to fear lest his frail senses were imperished quite, and love to frenzy turned, sith love is frantic height. Always she sought him to restore to plight, with herbs, with charms, with counsel, and with tears, but tears, nor charms, nor herbs, nor counsel might assuage the fury which his entrails tears. So strong is passion that no reason hears. Though when all other helps she sought to fail, she turned herself back to her wicked leers, and by her devilish arts thought to prevail, to bring her back again, to work her final bale. 
Eftsoons out of her hidden cave she called an hideous beast, of horrible aspect that could the stoutest courage have appalled, monstrous misshaped, and on his back was specked with thousand spots of colors quaint elect, thereto so swift that it all beasts did pass, like never yet did living eye detect, but likest it to an hyena was that feeds on women's flesh as others feed on grass. It forth she called, and gave it straight in charge, through thick and thin her to pursue apace, nay once to stay to rest, or breathe at large till her he had attained, and brought in place, or quite devoured her beauty's scornful grace, the monster swift is word, that from her went, went forth in haste, and did her footing trace so sure and swiftly through his perfect scent and passing speed that shortly he her overhent whom when the fearful damosel nigh espied no need to bid her fast away to fly that ugly shape so sore her terrified that it she shunned no less than dread to die and her flit palfrey did so well apply his nimble feet to her conceived fear, the whilest his breath did strength to him supply, from peril free, he her away did bear, but when his force gan fail, his pace gan wax a rear, which when as she perceived she was dismayed, at that same last extremity full sore, and of her safety greatly grew afraid, and now she gan approach to the seashore, as it befell, that she could fly no more, but yield herself to spoil of greediness. Lightly she leaped, as a white forlore, from her dull horse, in desperate distress, and to her feet betook her doubtful sickerness. Not half so fast the wicked mirror fled, from dread of her revenging father's hand, nor half so fast to save her maidenhead, fled fearful Daphne on the Aegean strand as Florimel fled from that monster yond, to reach the sea, ere she of him were wrought, for in the sea to drown herself she fawned, rather than of the tyrant to be caught, thereto fear gave her wings, and need her courage taught. It fortuned, high God did so ordain, as she arrived on the roaring shore, in mind to leap into the mighty main. A little boat lay, hoving her before, in which there slept a fisher old and poor. The whiles his nets were drying on the sand, into the same she leaped, and with the oar did thrust the shallop from the floating strand. So safety found at sea which she found not at land. The monster ready on the prey to cease was of his forward hope deceived quite ne durst essay to wade the perilous seas, but greedily, long gaping at the sight, at last in vain was forced to turn his flight, and to tell the idle tidings to his dame. Yet to avenge his devilish despite, he set upon her palfrey, tired, lame, and slew him cruelly, ere any rescue came. And after having him emboweled, to fill his hellish gorge, it chanced a knight to pass that way, as forth he travelled, 
It was a goodly swain, and of great might, as ever man that bloody field did fight, but in vain shows that want young knights bewitch, and courtly services took no delight, but rather joyed to be than seamen sitch, for both to be and seem to him was labor lich. It was to wit the good Sir Saturnine that ranged abroad to seek adventures wild, as was his wont in forest and in plain. He was all armed in rugged steel unfiled, as in the smoky forge it was compiled, and in his scutcheon bore a satyr's head. He coming present, where the monster viled, upon that milk-white palfrey's carcass fed, unto his rescue ran, and greedily him sped. There well perceived he that it was the horse whereon fair Florimel was wont to ride, that of that fiend was rent without remorse, much feared he, least aught did ill betide to that fair maid, the flower of women's pride, for her he dearly loved, and in all his famous conquests highly magnified. Besides her golden girdle which did fall from her in flight he found, and that did him sore appall. Full of sad fear and a doubtful agony, fiercely he flew upon that wicked fiend, and with huge strokes and cruel battery him forced to leave his prey, for to attend himself from deadly danger to defend. Full many wounds in his corrupted flesh he did engrave, and much blood did spend, yet might not do him die. But I, more fresh and fierce, he still appeared, the more he did him thresh. He wist not how to despoil of life, nay how to win the wished victory, sith him he saw still stronger grow through strife, and himself weaker through infirmity. Greatly he grew enraged, and furiously hurling his sword away, he lightly leapt upon the beast, that with great cruelty roared and raged to be underkept, yet he perforce him held, and strokes upon him hept. As he that strives to stop a sudden flood, and in strong banks his violence enclose, forceth its swell above his wonted mood, and largely overflow the fruitful plain, that all the country seems to be a main. And the rich furrows float, all quite fordone, the woeful husbandman doth loud complain to see his whole year's labor lost so soon, for which to God he made so many an idle boon. So him he held, and did through might a mate, so long he held him, and him bet so long, that at the last his fierceness gan abate, and meekly stoop unto the victor strong, who to avenge the implacable wrong, which he supposed done to Florimel, sought by all means his dolor to prolong, sith dint of steel his carcass could not quell, his maker with her charms had framed him so well. The golden ribband which that virgin wore about her slender waist, he took in hand, and with it bound the beast that loud did roar for great despite of that unwanted band, 
yet dared not his victor to withstand, but trembled like a lamb, fled from the prey, and all the way him followed on the strand, as he had long been learned to obey, yet never learned he such service till that day. Thus as he led the beast along the way, he spied far off a mighty giantess, fast flying on a coarser dappled grey, from a bold knight that with great hardiness her hard pursued and sought for to suppress. She bore before her lap a doleful squire, lying athwart her horse in great distress, fast bound in hand and foot with cords of wire, whom she did mean to make the thrall of her desire. Which when as Ceterane beheld, in haste he left his captive beast at liberty, and crossed the nearest way by which he cast her to encounter, ere she passed by. But she the way shunned nay the more for thy, but forward galloped fast, which, when he spied his mighty spear, he couched warily, and at her ran, she having him descried, herself to fight addressed, and threw her load aside. Like as a goshawk that in foot doth bear a trembling culver, having spied on height an eagle, that with plumy wings doth shear the subtle air, stooping with all his might, and quarry throws to ground with fell despite, and to the battle doth herself prepare. So ran the giantess unto the fight, her fiery eyes with furious sparks did stare, and with blasphemous bands high god in pieces tear. She caught in hand an huge great iron mace, wherewith she many had of life deprived. But ere the stroke could seize his aimed place, his spear amidst her sun-broad shield arrived. Yet neither more the steel asunder rived, all were the beam in bigness like a mast, nay her out of the steadfast saddle drived. But glancing on the tempered metal, brassed in thousand shivers, and so forth beside her past. Her steed did stagger with that puissant stroke, but she no more was moved with that might than it had lighted on an aged oak, or on the marble pillar that is pight upon the top of Mount Olympus' height, for the brave youthly champions to essay, with burning chariot wheels it nigh to smite, but he that smites it mars his joyous play, and is the spectacle of ruinous decay. Yet therewith sore enraged, with stern regard, her dreadful weapon she to him addressed, which on his helmet martelled so hard, that made him low incline his lofty crest, and bowed his battered visor to his breast. Wherewith he was so stunned, that he note ride, but reeled to and fro from east to west, which when his cruel enemy espied, she lightly unto him adjoined side to side. And on his collar laying puissant hand, out of his wavering seat him plucked perforce, perforce him plucked, unable to withstand or help himself, or laying thwart her horse, in loathly wise like to a carrion course. She bore him fast away, which when the knight that her pursued saw with great remorse, 
He near was touched in his noble sprite, and gan increase his speed, as she increased her flight. Whom, when his nigh approaching she espied, she threw away her burden angrily, for she list not the battle to abide, but made herself more light away to fly. Yet her the hardy knight pursued so nigh, that almost in the back he oft her strake, but still when him at hand she did espy, she turned in semblance of fair fight did make, but when he stayed, to flight again she did her take. By this the good Sir Saturnine gan wake out of his dream that did him long in trance, and seeing none in place he gan to make exceeding moan, and cursed that cruel chance which reft him of so fair a chevisance. At length he spied, whereas that woeful squire whom he had rescued from captivance of his strong foe lay tumbled in the mire, unable to arise or foot or hand to stire. To whom approaching, well he mote perceive in that foul plight a comely personage and lovely face made fit for to deceive frail lady's heart with love's consuming rage. Now in the blossom of his freshest age, he reared him up and loosed his iron bands, and after gan inquire his parentage, and how he fell into that giant's hands, and who that was which chased her along the lands. Then, trembling yet through fear, the squire bespake, That giantess Argante is behight, a daughter of the titans which did make war against heaven, and heap the hills on height to scale the skies, and put Jove from his right. Her sire, Typhius was, who, mad through mirth and drunk with blood of men, slain by his might, through incest, her of his own mother earth whilom begot, being but half twin of that birth. For at that birth another babe she bore, to wit the mighty Oliphant, that wrought great reek to many errant knights of yore, and many hath to foul confusion brought. These twins, men say, a thing far passing thought, whiles in their mother's womb enclosed they were, ere they into the lightsome world were brought, in fleshly lust were mingled both the fear, and in that monstrous wise did to the world appear. So lived they ever after in like sin, against nature's law and good behavior, but greatest shame was to that maiden twin, who, not content so foully to devour her native flesh, and stain her brother's bower, did wallow in all other fleshly mire, and suffered beasts her body to deflower. So what she burned in that lustful fire, yet all that might not slake her sensual desire. But over all the country she did range, to seek young men to quench her flaming thirst, and feed her fancy with delightful change. Whom so she fittest finds to serve her lust, through her main strength, in which she most doth trust, she with her brings into a secret isle, where in eternal bondage die he must, or be the vassal of her pleasures vile, and in all shameful sort himself with her defile. Me, silly wretch, she so at vantage caught, 
after she long in wait for me did lie, and meant unto her prison to have brought her loathsome pleasure there to satisfy, that thousand deaths me lever were to die. Then break the vow that to fair Columbell I plighted have, and yet keep steadfastly as for my name, it mistreth not to tell, call me the squire of dames that me beseemeth well. But that bold knight whom ye pursuing saw, that giantess, is not such as she seemed, but a fair virgin, that in martial law and deeds of arms above all dames is deemed, and above many knights is ache esteemed. For her great worth she paladine is height, she you from death, you me from dread redeemed. Nay, any may that monster match in fight, but she, or such as she, that is so chaste a white. Her well beseems that quest, quoth Saturay, but read, thou squire of dames, what vow is this, which thou upon thyself hast lately ta'en, that shall I you recount, quoth he, awis, so be ye pleased to pardon all amiss, that a gentle lady whom I love and serve, after long suit and weary services, did ask me how I could her love deserve, and how she might be sure that I would never swerve. I, glad by any means her grace to gain, bade her command my life to save or spill. Eftsoons she bade me, with incessant pain, to wander through the world abroad at will, and everywhere, where with my power or skill I might do service unto gentle dames, that I the same should faithfully fulfill, and at twelve months end should bring their names and pledges as the spoils of my victorious games. So well I to fair ladies' service did, and found such favour in their loving hearts, that ere the year his course had compassed three hundred pledges for my good desarts, and thrice three hundred thanks for my good parts. I with me brought, and did to her present, which, when she saw, more bent to eke my smarts than to reward my trusty true intent. She gan for me devise a grievous punishment, to wit that I my travel should resume, and with like labour walk the world around, nay, ever to her presence should presume, till I, so many other dames, had found the which, for all the suit I could propound, would me refuse their pledges to afford, but did abide for ever chaste and sound. Ah, gentle squire, quoth he, tell it one word. How many foundst thou such to put in thy record? Indeed, sir knight, said he, one word may tell all that I ever found so wisely stayed, for only three they were disposed so well, and yet three years I now abroad have strayed to find them out. Motai, then, laughing, said the knight, inquire of thee what were those three, the which thy proffered courtesy denied, or ill they seemed sure of eyes to be, or brutishly brought up, that never did fashion see. The first which then refused me, said he, certes was but a common courtesan, yet flat refused to have ado with me, because I could not give her many a jane. Thereat full heartily laughed, Saturain, 
the second was an holy nun to choose, which would not let me be her chapelain, because she knew, she said, I would disclose her counsel if she should her trust in me repose. The third a damsel was, of low degree, whom I in country cottage found by chance. Fool little weaned I, that chastity had lodging in so mean a maintenance. Yet was she fair, and in her countenance dwelt simple truth in seemly fashion. Long thus I wooed her with due observance, in hope unto my pleasure to have won, but was as far at last as when I first begun. Save her I never any woman found that chastity did for itself embrace, but were for other causes firm and sound, either for want of handsome time and place or else for fear of shame and foul disgrace. Thus am I hopeless ever to attain my lady's love in such a desperate case, but all my days am like to waste in vain, seeking to match the chaste with the unchaste lady's train. Perdee, said Satyrane, thou squire of dames, great labor fondly hast thou hint in hand to get small thanks, and therewith many blames, that may amongst Alcides' labours stand, thence back returning to the former land, where late he left the beast he overcame. He found him not, for he had broke his band, and was returned again unto his dame to tell what tidings of fair Florimel became. End of Canto 7, Book 3 of The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer